I, I want to talk about something. Let me see what I want to do here. Man, I've got something else. I've got something else I want to say, but it's going to really interrupt this, and it doesn't have anything to do with it, but I feel like the Lord needs somebody to hear it. Uh, and I'll try to be quick. All right. This doesn't have anything to do with this. This is just something I, I heard in worship, and maybe for just one individual, so I want to say it quick and move on, and you guys can take it. The, the Lord kept giving me the word, uh, kept giving me the word discipline during worship. That's not a word I particularly like. Most people don't like the word discipline. Um, but he kept reminding me what discipline was. Discipline is a correction. Uh, it's not a it's, it's not a uh, punishment for the past, but a correction for the future. It's trying to get you to a place that you that you really need to be. So when you hear discipline, don't get frustrated because the Bible says that the Father disciplines His children. So God disciplines us in certain ways. Now, um, <clears throat> what I was hearing during worship uh, for me specifically too is he he especially with, with the last couple of weeks with what's been going on with me and health and different things like that. He's realigning. Uh, my mind with his heart, and that is a part of discipline. And so what he was doing is he was correcting the way that I was thinking. Does that make sense? Renewing my mind, basically. We talk about that all the time. But when it happens to you, it feels a lot more real, <laughs> right? So for whoever that's for, um, don't be afraid of God's discipline. It's not scary. It's a loving Father trying to lead you in the correct direction. Um, and it may come directly from him through the Holy Spirit. It may come through a friend. But whatever it is, just don't be afraid of it. It's okay. Um, it's not scary. It's something to get you in a better place. He is for you. Good? We good? That's it. That's all I got for that. All right. Um, cutting to moan time here. Um, uh, I want to thank Ben for preaching last week, and I listened to his his sermon, and I'm kind of springboarding off one verse that he had there. And and uh, also for all, all of you guys and all the leadership that help us here, we're part of... Uh, Part of our church, and especially a part of the merge, is we picked up a lot of really good um, leaders, like really a lot of really good teachers, and uh, it's been really cool to be able to see um, all of us work together and and learn from each other. And that, that's another place we we never want to get to a place where we can't be taught, where we're not, we're not teachable. And I've I've really enjoyed um, kind of the back and forth. Uh, I don't know, call it discipleship or back and forth, just. Uh, Dialogue. That's it. Dialogue and the banter. I've enjoyed the <laughs> I've enjoyed the goofy stuff too. I've enjoyed the company and especially uh, from from everybody in here all the way up to leadership. I've just enjoyed everything about it. So it's really cool and I'm thankful for it. And I got to see my daughter play volleyball last week. So that's even awesome too. So anyway, thank you guys. I love you guys. That's all I got. All right, Hebrews eleven one says now faith is the substance of things hoped for. And most of you know this verse. You can look it up if you want to. Um, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So everybody, everybody grabs that, and, and I've always focused on the, the faith, you know, and the hoped for, but the actual words there, substance and evidence, are pretty, pretty good. Uh, the Greek says the same thing, substance, assurance, evidence is like proof, um, and things hoped for is like a, an expectation, right? It's a bit of a paradox because it's saying that there is a substance, there is something that you can like touch, taste, feel kind of thing. There's something in this reality on this earth that is a substance or an evidence of things not seen. Well, if you don't see them, you can't really physically touch them, right? There's, there's, a, there's something happening that sounds a little bit like a paradox here and can be a bit confusing, but I hope to kind of unpack it a little bit. Um, verse 3 says, By faith we understand that, that the world's... Ooh, somebody hit the jackpot. By faith we understand that, uh, that the worlds were framed by the word of God 
so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Okay? So there are things that we see, right? We see the chairs. We see the things that are around us. We see people. All these things uh, were created. And he's, he's just giving evidence that there is something, that something has been created and there is a creator that created them. And the cool thing about this is we, when we begin to discover this and actually walk it out, we don't get as, I'll say we don't, we can still be led to that place sometimes, but we, the more we understand this, the less we are affected by our circumstances that are around us, right? Um, when we begin to see that our provision, promotion, um, protection, all these things are not bound up in finances or careers or, or cars or houses or anything like that, we begin to see those things are bound up in Christ and Christ alone. We can begin to not be affected by all those things around us and in turn affect the things that are around us. So the, the faith of a substance, it's the manifestation of something coming from the spirit. So there is a spiritual realm and then there's a physical realm. We know this. Um, when we walk in the physical realm, it's easy to get distracted by the physical realm, right? Flashy lights, social media, whatever. None of these things are bad, but it's easy to, to get distracted by those and forget that there's something else going on behind the scenes. <clears throat> For me, the correction that I was even talking about this morning, I had, I had kind of got caught up in all of that. Um, I was dealing with some physical things that are very much physical. I mean, I was hurting. Things were going on. But at the same time, there was, a spirit, there was something going on in the spirit. I was being attacked in the spirit. And that's not, I don't, I don't say that lightly. I don't run around saying, you know, my tire's flat. Oh, the devil's after me kind of thing if my tires are bald and I need to change them three weeks ago. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying in certain instances, there are times when you are being attacked and I was being attacked. Um, and, and since I've called it out, uh, it's, it's changed my whole perspective on things. It's because I'm seeing things from an unseen realm and it's affecting the seen realm. Listen, even, even biology will tell you this. They'll tell you that if you stress, you can have a heart attack or you can have ulcers. Um, now, they, they just want to tie it to things that they can quantify. But we know that there are things that we can't quantify fully that are Christ and that are in the spirit that can actually affect us and change us. And I, there, is, there still is spiritual warfare and there are things that we have to understand that go on in these places. And uh, sometimes it takes, especially for us hard-headed people, it takes a few times to really get it. Um, so I'll say that and leave that there. All right. Um, <clears throat> part of, I hear a lot of people talk about and, and they try to tie these two together that basically like the, the world is kind of going to hell in a handbasket deal. Like, you know, Jesus is going to come back any day, and I'm not going to go too deep into that. Calm down. Jesus is going to come back any day because, you know, it's getting really bad. It's getting really bad out there, you know. And there's two problems with that. The first one is it's not really. <laughs> if you just look, huh? It's been much worse. It's been much worse. Um, and if you look at we even looked at statistics. Me and Brian were talking about this morning. And there are lots of things and, and that are way down, even like abortion rates are down, crime's down, um, the unemployment rate's down. There are a lot of things that have gotten better if we're just looking at the physical realm, which we're not. I'm just saying, if you wanted to take that and run with it, you can't. <laughs> but if you want to look at the spiritual realm, that's, a, that's another issue. That's what I want to tackle here. The spiritual realm is not getting worse. It's getting better. The kingdom is advancing. The kingdom is advancing. I promise you. And, and the, the reason I know this, because the Bible tells me so, and also... <laughs> And also because there, there is a physical manifestation of it, you, you can begin to see it. It's, it's kind of heaven crashing into earth all around us. And when you begin to see it, you begin to see it more. And I've to, I told you all a couple weeks ago that I'm beginning, beginning to think, uh, and Julie said all, and it may, 
I'm beginning to think maybe all, and somebody else told me that after I said it a couple weeks ago, the more, the older I get, the more I see that God's hands in more things, and it's not just coincidences. And, uh, and I mentioned something about somebody else, and they said the same thing. They're like, no, everything. It's in everything. I was like, well, maybe you're right. Um, because <clears throat> there are opportunities that we have that we either, we either take or we miss, and it's not that it's, it's based upon us, but it's things that we can see or not see, and we can choose to see or not see them, and we can choose to act or not act on them. Uh, when we, we prayed before service today, um, the Holy Spirit was telling me that the, the, His truth and His grace is, is the, the Holy Spirit is just the wind in our sails. That's what makes, uh, that's what makes us not you know, apathetic and that we can just lay back and, well, Christ has done it all. You know, we don't need to do anything. No, we do. We've got lots of things to do. We've got lots of people that need us, that need what we have. Um, and so I want to kind of get into uh, the advancing, not decreasing kingdom, essentially. Um, and so we're going to go We're gonna go to 2 Corinthians 4, 1. <clears throat> and I'm going to read through all the way pretty far. 18, what, 18? Yeah. 2 Corinthians 4, 1. And I'm in NIV, just because it's what I know. It's what I remember. Easier for me to read. Therefore, first one, therefore. And we're going to go back and see what the therefore is there for. I learned from Mark. When there's a therefore, you go back and see what the therefore is there for. We're going to go back. Just bear with me. We'll go back in just a minute. Therefore, <clears throat> since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend our... We commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And we'll stop right there briefly. This is, this is the being distracted by everything that's around us kind of thing. The God of this world can kind of keep your, keep your eyes off things. If you see Christ for who he is, then the veil is lifted. Verse 5, for... For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, <clears throat> who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. There's a key here. Listen to what he's saying. I'm going to back up, and then we're going to back up even more. Verse 6, for God who said, let, there be, let the light shine out of darkness made the light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. All right, now we're going to go back and see what the therefore is there for, and then we'll come back and pick back up. We're going to jump back, if you want to jump back to 2 Corinthians 3, 7. I'm going to try to bring all this together, so bear with me. 2 Corinthians 3, 7 says, Now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, do you know what that is, the law? Came with glory so that the Israelites could not could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? Man, what a, what a statement. i got to read that again. <laughs> if the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? <laughs> For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison to the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the joy of that which lasts? 
you see. This is not passing away. Verse 12, Therefore, since we have such hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. Y'all remember that? He would hide his face because he didn't want anybody to see that the, that the light was beginning to fade, that that glory was beginning to go away. It was decreasing, okay? But it says, what does it say right there? Therefore, since we have, in verse 12, we, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for, this, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Taken away. <laughs> now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is bondage. <laughs> where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-decreasing glory. What? Increasing, right? Ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is Spirit. Listen, this thing's not going down, it's going up. <laughs> it's not getting worse, it's getting better. This freedom thing really strikes me, especially in light of the... Uh, I keep talking about this video, and some of y'all are probably tired of hearing about it, but it was really good. And it, it caught me in a perfect time because it was a Sunday morning. I was missing you guys, and Ben posted it right before service. Um, and there's just something about freedom, that, and it struck me as I was, I was watching the video. And uh, It was right before one of Trinity's games, and I just pulled off to the side and just started watching it. And uh, if you haven't seen it, I, I reposted it too. It's really good. And it was a very, a very hard question this guy asked. And he was asking about a guy that had shot another guy, and he, he was asking, he said, look, he said, if God is good, why didn't he stop that man from pulling the trigger? I mean, it's, good. it's, a, it's a hard question. Look, if, if you believe in God and you believe God is good and he's love, why didn't he stop the man from pulling the trigger? Why didn't he stop this from happening? And the guy's response um, was much well, probably much better put together than I'm going to tell you. I'll try to paraphrase. Um, but basically he said, look, if you're asking if because God is good and because God is love why he didn't stop that, your question will self-destruct because without freedom there is no love. If there's no freedom for us to make choices to love or not love, there is no love. Love doesn't exist. If you're just commanded to do things, then you just do them because that's what you're commanded to do. You have no choice. There is no love without choice. We all have choices that we make. There is, you, you can't even ask that question. That's a self-refuting question. He went on to talk about a, a, an, in Eastern folklore, <clears throat> there's a story about a man who had a horse that ran off. His neighbor came over and said, ah, bad luck, your horse ran off. He was like, what do I know about these things? The farmer said, oh, what do I know about these things? The horse came back with a bunch of other horses with him. So his neighbor came over and said, oh, what good luck. Your horse came back with a bunch of stallions. And the man said, what do I know about these things? So then his son goes to break, or break the horses, and he falls off and breaks his leg. Neighbor comes over, oh, what bad luck. Your son broke his leg. He says, what do I know about these things? <laughs> and then the, the, uh, some gangsters come around to recruit the, kid, the kids in the neighborhood, and they can't recruit the kid because he's not able-bodied because he has a broken leg. His neighbor says, oh, what good luck. Your kid's not joined the gang. <laughs> And he says, what do I know about these things? The whole point was, in this little series of events, we saw snapshots, and the neighbor was judging for the snapshots and not the bigger picture. Uh, Brian and I had a discussion um, after some things that were going on with some friends of ours that were just really trying and, and had some hard questions, like, you know, what, 
what prayers move God. A, a mother had lost her son, and she was crying out to God, and we, the question was, well, what? If, those, if that doesn't move God, what will? And what we discovered was, who are we to say what moves God? I think they 100% move God. All of our prayers move God. It, just because it doesn't happen in the way that we think it should happen, we think that it doesn't move God's heart, but it certainly does because we've seen the results of that even within our church. We've seen God move even in the midst of tragedy and, and make things a lot better for us. I mean, we've seen, we've seen lots of different variations of this. We've seen God move um, in ways that we did expect, and it was even better, right? So there's, God doesn't run on our tracks, right? He's not a spiritual vending machine, and we go, okay, put in my 50 cents of prayer, and now you give me my Dr. Pepper. My, you know, that's not how it works. Prayer is aligning ourselves with what God's doing. Amen. It's his realm. It's his realm that's ever increasing, not ours. That's right. Amen. We got to get on his train. <laughs> we got to get on his tracks, right? Doesn't that make more sense? Listen, when you're, when you're walking, this is what I love. This is what I love about Jesus. Many things I love about Jesus. This is one. I love that, that Jesus walked with people. Uh, it doesn't seem like much, but he walked around with people. He sat down and ate with people. He reclined with people. He washed people's feet. <clears throat> he gave godly characteristics. He demonstrated godly characteristics to human beings. Amen. Not just through a tablet or a bunch of rules or regulations, but he demonstrated it as one of us. If he wouldn't have done that, we could say, oh, well, that's great. God can do that. But he did it in human form so that now we are absolutely challenged to do the same thing. It says right there, we are bold because now we don't have to worry about hiding our face. We shine. Sorry, it's allergies. I'm kidding. It's not. I'm crying because I cry all the time. <laughs> Maybe a combination of both. Um, so there's an, there's an ever-increasing kingdom, and that's what we need to get on board with. All right, let me move on. Okay. All right, I'm going to skip to the end. How about that? I do what I want. Um, <laughs> I'm the pastor. I got the microphone. <laughs> Bill. <laughs> Margaret always told me, you don't have to tell people that. Just do it. They don't know what you're looking at. But I just, I just talk because I said how I am. All right, second. <laughs> I want to read 2 Corinthians 3.7 in the message real quick. I may go back and get, uh, yeah, I want to read it in the message real quick just because I like this version. It says, the, the government of death, its constitution, <laughs> I love the wording. I love the message because I can relate better to it because it's a little more in our language. The government of death, its constitution chiseled on stone tablets, had a dazzling inaugural. <laughs> Moses' face as he delivered the tablets were so bright that day, even though it would fade soon, that the people of Israel could no more look right at him than stare into the sun. How much more dazzling than the government of, the, of <clears throat> excuse me, how much more dazzling than the government of living spirit? If the government of condemnation was impressive, how about this government of affirmation? Bright as that old government was, it would look downright dull alongside this new one. If that makeshift arrangement impressed us, how much more this brightly shining government installed for eternity? With that kind of hope to excite us, nothing holds us back. Unlike Moses, we have nothing to hide. <laughs> Everything is out in the open with us. He wore a veil so the children of Israel wouldn't notice that the glory was fading away. And they didn't notice. And they didn't notice it. <laughs> Listen to this. They didn't notice it then and they don't notice it now. <clears throat> don't, notice it, don't notice that there's nothing left behind that veil. Even today, 
when the proclamations of that old bankrupt government are read out, they can't see through it. Only Christ can get rid of the veil so that they can see for themselves that there is nothing there. Now, he's, they're referring back to the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The Old Covenant was fading away and the New Covenant was coming in. And it was a good type and shadow of that with the fading of, the, of Moses' face. All right, verse, verse 16. Whenever, whenever, though, they turn to face God as Moses did, God removes the veil and there they are face to face. They suddenly recognize that God is a living, personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. Let that sink in. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legalization is not recognized, is recognized as obsolete. We're free of it. All of us, nothing between us and God. Our face is shining with the brightness of his face. And so we are transfigured much like the Messiah. Our lives gradually become brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. That's good news. If you're looking for hope... That's hope. If you're looking for substance, that's substance. If, if our faith is anything, it's in Christ. We talk about the gospel. Everything we, everything we talk about and everything we do in here is based on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and everything comes from that place. Now, there's a lot to it. It's very, it's very diverse. It's very multifaceted. It's very colorful. Lots of different personalities. Lots of different styles. All that's fine, and none of us have a problem with that. But it has to come from that place. It has to come from Christ. He is what unveils. He says it so clearly in many translations. <laughs> he is the one that takes the veil off. Christ is the one that, that tore the veil from the top to the bottom and said, now you can look at me all the time and it will never fade. It is an ever-increasing glory. We, we pass from glory to glory, not garbage to glory. <laughs> we pass from glory to glory and glory to glory. Listen, the, the, the hardest thing I think... the the Christian has to understand is that you are not hang on, how can I put this? That you are not something filthy God is trying to make better. That you have been made new in Christ the moment that He takes the veil away. And once you look at Him, it's game over. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what else to tell you. I tried for almost a year, maybe a little over a year, to try to debate with my atheist friend to look at things objectively. I tried really hard. I was miserable. You talk about miserable? I was miserable. But I, want, I, I wanted to take a step back. Okay, what if I've been duped, right? What if all this is a sham? Let me take a step back, and I want to look at things objectively because I, I feel like I'm fairly intelligent. Let me look at it from your perspective. And I tried really hard, but I can't. I couldn't. I mean, I, I wanted to relate to him, and I wanted to help him understand, but at the same time, there aren't, I can't look through any other lenses ever again. I tried <laughs> hard, and it didn't work. Now, not to say you can't look at some things objectively, but not this. Life is, is different after Christ. It just is. And it is ever-increasing, not decreasing. And you don't have to hide your face anymore. And we've put off the shame and guilt of our old nature, and we have a brand-new nature. And that's, that's the truth about you. <laughs> If you know Christ, the veil has been lifted, and that's, that's, that's it. That's all I got. All right. Hey, I finished early. Probably because I skipped half of it. Well, yeah, we got a few more minutes. Y'all got, got any questions? Or, what? Hey, no. Yeah, you got something. But Brian had something when we were in there. Remember what you were talking about? Or did I already say it? 
Okay, I already said it. Go ahead. I stole it. It was glory to glory, wasn't it? It was, it was the scripture I was reminded of, and it's actually in Isaiah, but it talks about how, it talks about the prophecy of Jesus coming, and it talks about how there'll be no end to the increase of his government or of his peace. Mm-hmm. But the beautiful thing right before it, it says, um, and this is about Jesus coming, it says, a child has been born for us. It didn't say to us, it said for us. The gift of a son for us. Yeah. He will take over the running of the world, and his name will be Amazing Counselor, Strong God, Eternal Father, Prince of Wholeness. His ruling authority will, will grow, and this is his kingdom, and there will be no limits to the wholeness that he brings. Wow. And it says he's going to put his kingdom on a firm footing, and he's going to keep it going with fair dealing and right living. That's righteousness, beginning now and lasting forever. The zeal of the God of the angel armies will do this for us. That's awesome. What I love about that is it's now and forever. In the same way it talks about here, it says today and for eternity. Listen, the, the glory that we experience is available to you now. This has been a, a, a common misconception that I had, is i got to wait till I go to heaven to experience any of this glory. No, it's for now too. The kingdom is here now. And it's increasing, and it's for eternity. So you're not investing in a temporary kingdom. You are not investing in a temporary kingdom. You're investing in an eternal kingdom that goes on forever and ever and ever. That's good news. That is hopeful. That is when you get frustrated and depressed when you see bad things happen. And, and because, of, because of technology, it's easy for, for us to see lots of bad things happening because now we can see it like, like that. We can see all kinds of things. It just depends on, just depends on what our news feed looks like. just depends on you know, anything, and everybody's got an opinion now, and everybody's got a platform with social media, so you got lots of opinions and lots of different things like that, but anyway, I'm, I, I digress. Anybody else? What else? Somebody got something? <laughs> um, last week when we were in the office, you weren't here, and it was uh, Fred Dreyer, we were sitting around talking with him, and he said something, and you, you kind of mentioned it, I was going to put it on Facebook, but when you mentioned it today, I felt like the Lord wanted me to say uh, he, you had said that uh, you enjoyed having the leadership from Gospel Life come over because it added and you know just yeah. different teachers. And uh, when we were sitting around the office, Fred was saying that he had never seen leadership be able to meld together and work together the way that you guys do. So I just say wow. that was kind of a testament of Justin, especially Justin with him being the head, and then Buddy and Ben as well. But I just thought that was neat and it's kind of an encouragement. Well, thank you. Yeah, something here, but it was neat that Fred had observed that and noticed that, and it was kind of I've been thinking about that all week and just uh, how it, it's been neat to watch y'all three, and there's no egos and you yeah. know anything like that. I probably butchered what Fred said, but it was just neat <laughs> listening to what he said. And I and I've told other people and other pastors too, and their minds are blown. They're like, that just doesn't happen. Yeah, Paul White said it, and yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like, okay, we're not sure. Yeah, yeah, but even other, I've talked to other pastors in the city and other pastors that I know out of town too, and they're like, that, that just doesn't happen. We don't see that happen very often. And so I think it is a testament to all, I mean, all of us collectively, not just leadership, but you guys as a church, to, to letting love lead. And ultimately when the, the substance that we look for and the substance that comes, the, the evidence that comes from us is love. Ultimately the, 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 the foreground of everything that we do comes from a place and it's not that we're trying really hard to be humble. No, no one needs to try really hard to be humble. You, you express in love everything you feel. That may be disagreements, right? That may be agreements. <laughs> you, 
you know, that may be ideas, whatever it is, but they're expressed in love because you care about the people more than you care about your agenda, right? That's what Jesus did. Jesus knew he had something to do, but he loved the people and cared about the people and took the time to actually minister to them and talk to them and eat with them and care for them. So there's, a, there's an absolute, um, and I think that's the only way that, that, that this has even worked is that we've seen it that way. It doesn't work if, if we're all trying to jockey for position or, or, or trying to outdo each other. That would never work. Yeah. It seems from the outside that it's not about any of you. It's right. just about him. So, and yeah. it's because when Jesus was here, it was the same thing. Yeah. It wasn't at all about him. He kept saying, it's about my father. Yeah. You know, and it's the same thing. You guys aren't, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. You guys and it was Maybe. the same way with the disciples. They were always arguing and bickering. He's like, what are y'all worried about? I'm right here. We continue to come back to the theme of the byproducts of the life that we have. Well, yeah. if you read 1 Corinthians 13, humility is one of those byproducts of walking in love. So that's our personality is being shaped by the love of the Spirit of God to have these things like deferring and honoring. It's like we don't have to teach that as a separate topic. It's a byproduct of the love walk that we intentionally have here. Yeah, and what's funny too is even using some of those key words that unfortunately some of us have been in, in ministry long enough to be frustrated or jaded by certain terminologies from our denominational background and they've been used and abused. And when you hear those words, you're just like, oh you know, like honoring and different things like that. And, but we genuinely are, and we want to honor one another. <clears throat> and it's, it's funny that, just like you said, it's the result of not, we're not trying to, I don't I'm trying not to get too detailed here. But there was a time when there was a more direct, uh, direct approach to, we need to be doing these things, and that never worked. But now, we are naturally doing these things, and it works. Does that make sense? I'm trying to be too specific. And so doing, yeah, exactly. When love is the forefront, and we've talked about that even when we would discuss, when we would discuss, uh, we would discuss uh, different manifestations of the Holy Spirit. The, the, if you want to call something the, we're going to call that love. If you want to say, if you want to single it out, it's going to be love. There may be others. That's fine, but love is the one. That's the one that's umbrella over all of them. And if you're not operating from that one, then you're a resounding gong, or you're, you know, whatever, whatever terminology you have if it's if it's not if it's not from christ and not demonstrated in love you know serve if you want cook if you want you know pray if you want but if it's not coming from love that's yeah all right we need to pray for mike before he leaves mike is above you all in many different ways now he's he's in the he's in the sound booth so if you'll just stretch your hands out towards mike we just want to pray for him in his trip Father, we just thank you for Mike, Lord. Uh, uh, personally, just as, as we've gotten to know uh, the Birches as, as friends and friends of the family and then as family, <laughs> really as family, and our church family, Lord, um, not only have they encouraged us uh, as for me and Tracy, but as a church as well, uh, but they've also stepped in and really just uh, helped with sound and different things and, and uh, just given of themselves completely uh, in love, and we just appreciate them so much. Um, but we just pray for Mike right now, Lord, as he travels, and, and even for, for, uh, for Robin and Haley as they're, you know, home without Dad for a little bit, Lord, that you would just uh, would comfort them, because I know that's tough anytime I'm out of town as well, Lord, that you would just be there with them, and, and that he would enjoy his trip and have a safe trip and come back quickly. In Jesus' name, amen.